Welcome to The Encouraging Word, a podcast from Ascension Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Iowa. In our episodes, you'll find sermons, services, and in-depth Bible studies to help you grow in your faith. If you have any questions or want to connect, reach out to us at alcwloo at mchsi.com. Thank you for joining us. Time, she is a wasting, so let's uh, open up with a word of prayer. All right, let's begin with prayer. O Lord, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we can embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. More may come. Last week, um, last week, you, you remember we did Who Wrote the Bible? You could call that the Who Are the Human Authors of the Bible. Okay? I, if I had, if I had, uh, forced, hindsight is 2020, and if I was redoing this now, I would actually call that lesson last week Who Are the Human Authors of the Bible? And today we would cover. Uh, who is the divine author of the Bible? Because the Bible has two authors, one human, one divine. Um, so your your notes are for there. So that each time you'll see here in the notes, um, I'm going to give you the main point under Bible truth. I'm going to give you a chief verse, memory verse to remember, and then the the, uh, the uh, text, the extra, the text from the confessions or whatnot. That we can uh, that we're using, and we read that one last time, the epitome. So our Bible truth, the main idea that I'm trying to get across today, is that we believe that the Bible is God's inspired, inerrant word. Right? We believe the Bible is God's inspired, inerrant word, and a verse that says that is a verse that says that is Second um, Timothy three sixteen. Uh, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All right. Um, as we <laughs> Yes. Yes. She has a set. We got her a set already. Right? You got her a set already. Right? Great. Thank you. All right. Okay. So, what do we mean by inspiration? That's that's the question. Your New King James, some other translations, instead of all Scripture is breathed out, they they might they will say all Scripture is given by inspiration. 
Um, uh, that's a fair. That's my translation too. Um, oh, what we, the reason why ESV decided to go with breathe out instead of um, inspiration is that we sometimes use the word inspired in a to describe creativity, right? You might see a performance, and you say you might say that's a very inspired performance, or that was a very inspired piece of art, right? And that's not the kind of inspiration we're talking about here. It's not like the people in the Bible were, were really smart and creative, and they just had a good thing going for them, and they wrote it down, and, right? It, that's not the kind of, kind of thing we're talking about. And so what, we're, what we want to say is that the Bible has different human authors, but one divine author, right? The Bible has, and we saw that last week, Many different folks in the Bible wrote lots of things. Moses, the apostles, the prophets, they wrote lots of things. But there's still one divine author behind all that. And that's what we're looking at today. Let's go to uh, the first, uh, and, and we're going to unpack that. And what it means for God to be the divine author. The first verse I have listed there is 2 Peter 1.21. 2 Peter 1, uh, 21. In, in fact, let's do 20 and 21. Yeah. Is, uh, somebody want to read that? 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I have a footnote on that word interpretation, which says origin, or origin. Um, so if you read it that way, it's also, uh, it's not of any private origin, Right? But I want you to notice first on sheet number five. Um, I want you to notice first, it tells us when God that, that there's a when to this. That um, the the human writers of the Bible only wrote at God's prompting. Right? They wrote when. You see that? Uh, but holy men spoke of God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You see that? There was a prompting from God the Holy Spirit that they should write something. Um, um, the, the, these people obviously probably wrote, many of them might have wrote, written other things throughout their lives, right? <laughs> but it, and we don't consider everything they have written to be Scripture. A good example. Paul mentions a letter to the Laodiceans. We don't have that letter. If we, he also mentions another letter, a third letter that he sent to the Church of Corinth. We don't have that letter either. If we suddenly found them, would they be Scripture? No, they would not be. Even though they're written by Paul, right? So Paul wrote probably lots of things, and other guys wrote lots of things, and yet. What we're talking about is what they wrote when the Holy Spirit 
moved them, prompted them to write. At a certain point, sometimes there's even a direct command to write. Jeremiah 30, verse 2, I'll quickly look at that uh, for the sake of time. But I just want you to see that sometimes there is a direct command to um, to, to write. Excuse me, did you say Jeremiah 2? It's, it's in your notes. Jeremiah 30, verse 2. Um, Some of the bullet points under God's prompting. Yeah. Thus, Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. You see that? God tells Jeremiah specifically, Write everything down that I'm about to tell you. Right? Uh, that, now, it doesn't work. There's not always a direct command like that. But there is always the working of the Holy Spirit behind the authors of the Bible. Um, so, the first point here is, when we think about inspiration, it starts with God moving somebody to write something. Right? Yeah. Then, so, it starts with when God does that. The next thing I want you to see is that what they write are God's thoughts. So, not only... Is it that that the Holy Spirit prompts them to write? Obviously, that that means that there is something that God wants to say to the people, right? That's why God's moving, and so there's God's thoughts, the contents of Scripture, the things that are recorded there, the truths that you find there, the teachings, the doctrines that are in there. That's what God wants written down. That's what God wants us to know. Um. Uh, and that isn't only about things that are important to your salvation, uh, but it's also things in the Bible like historical events, uh, things about nature, God being the creator of you know that were fearfully and wonderfully made, and that the stars declare God's handiwork. So not everything in the Bible is directly related to your salvation, but it is every things that God wanted you to know. A verse that says this. Um, it, uh, two verses. Is, is, we're already in Second Peter. Let's just flip over to First Peter, uh, one verse ten, uh, ten to twelve. And we're looking here that, that there's there's a message or a thought that God wants uh, conveyed. First uh, Peter one ten through twelve. I can read that. Go ahead. Concerning which salvation the prophets sought and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what time or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did point unto, which when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow them. Right. So there's something that God wants to tell us, and even angels desire to look into these things. The other verse, you don't have to turn, I've got it here, is John 14, 26. This is the promise of Jesus to the uh, apostles that the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now that is not a promise to you directly. That is a promise to the apostles. The, the apostles, Jesus spoke directly to the apostles and he promised the apostles that the Holy Spirit would bring to their remembrance everything he said or did. Why? 
so that they could write it down and it could be in your Bible as the Holy Gospels, right? So you, the problem is that that verse is, um, is not about necessarily about the Holy Spirit bringing to your remembrance things you read in the Bible. It is about God, the Holy Spirit, bringing to the apostles' remembrance what they heard from Jesus so that they could write it down in the Bible so that you might have it. So, the point here is we see first that the scriptures come because God prompts, God moves writers to write. Second, that God has a message. He's got thoughts he wants to convey. But I want you to see that it's not just the thoughts that are inspired. It's not just the message. It's the actual words that are inspired. This is, it's, it, it's not just what they were told what to write and how to and, and, and they were given the prompting to write and told what to write. They were also, it, it, this involves how, how to write. So inspiration isn't only subject matter. It's about the words themselves. We call it verbal inspiration because we believe the words are inspired. Um, how do we know this? The New Testament writers do this all the time. They quote the Old Testament and they'll make their points on the word. Paul does this in Romans when he talks about the offspring singular. And he makes a big point of this. He says, no, he's, Paul says this in Romans, no, it says to the offspring, not offsprings, because it's referring to Jesus. So he makes his points based on the word. And in fact, on the, the whether or not the word was singular or plural, right? You see, so the very words of scripture are inspired. It, it matters down to uh, the little bit. Um, where does it say this? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 18 is a good verse that tells the word where Jesus himself tells us that, tells us this. Matthew 5, 18. Somebody want to read that when you got it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. I can. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will be by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Notice that. Now law there um, doesn't just mean the commands. The, the word in the Old Testament is called Torah. Um, and sometimes Torah refers to um, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Sometimes the word law can be used to refer to the whole Old Testament, too, as a whole. But his point is, not even the smallest stroke of a pen will pass away. So, obviously, the smallest stroke of a pen matters, right? This is, it's not just, yeah, well, they got the general gist right. It's, it's the very words themselves, which is why it's important for our pastors when they go to seminary to learn Hebrew and Greek so that we don't have to rely on translations, but we can get back behind it and, and assess the validity of the translations. We can get back to the inspired words, right? 
Uh, and and that's, that's important. Luke 16 and 17. Um, I've got that right here um, for the sake of time. And it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one little word of the law to fail. One tittle of the law, I should say. Uh, the, the smallest stroke of a Hebrew letter, it says in the footnote. It's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for the smallest stroke of a Hebrew letter to fall away. Obviously, Jesus, these are words of Jesus. The very words and letters in the Old Testament matter. So this is what we're talking about, um, about uh, verbal inspiration. So we have the three, we have these three steps. It, inspiration means that the, the, those divine authors we read about last week, they were prompted by the Holy Spirit. They had a message that God wanted to give. And also the very letters, the very words that they used were inspired. Any questions about that so far? He was talking to Pharisees when he said this. Um, in which one? In, in um, this Luke 16, he's talking to the Pharisees. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees when he said this. Yes, yep, yep. That's in verse 14 you see that. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. And, you know, in the context there, um, the context there, of course, is that Jesus is, uh, they think that Jesus is is putting aside the law. Uh, and he's really not. He's putting aside their interpretation of the law. <laughs> and and, and to, to make sure that they understood that point, he says, not the smallest stroke of a Hebrew letter is going to is going to pass away. Um, I'm going to fulfill all of it. Right. Um, so every small stroke of the Hebrew pen matters. And the same is in, in the Greek. Okay. Something to note here, that this is not mechanical, all right? Sometimes it might be, um, the, but it's not like the authors go into a trance and their eyelids flip back and their eyelids become white and they just start writing. That's not how it works. It's, it's not uh, mecha uh, mechanical like that. They knew what they were doing, all right? Um, only in very rare instances is it dictation. Is God telling you, I want you to write this, what I'm about to We said, we heard that from Jeremiah, right? In that case, in Jeremiah, it was dictation, wasn't it? He said, write down the words I'm about to tell you right now. Same thing with Moses. He goes up into the mountain, and what does God say? You write down the words I'm about to tell you. Which words of the Bible were directly written by God himself? The Ten Commandments. Right? Um, so, but in most cases, the people who, the men who wrote the Bible, they wrote willfully and intelligently. Right? Just like you write willfully and intelligently. They wrote with their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own styles, their own per, uh, uh, mental powers and personality. Here's a good example. You don't have to look at the verses, but Luke 1, 1 through 4 tells you Luke's style. Hey, remember we read that last week. He, he's writing to Theophilus. And those first four verses, if I remember correctly, uh, Pastor Lindbergh can correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're not in Koine Greek. I think they're in Classical Greek. Or they're in a higher form than the rest of, the, of it. Luke is a classical educator. His, his Greek is much better than, than, uh, than uh, um, John's. Uh, a first-year seminarian, when he starts doing Greek, he's always given the Gospel of John. 
because it's really easy. John's vocabulary is very small. You, you start to get confidence because you can read John. You don't go to Hebrews or Luke because they Luke is a Gentile. He speaks Greek fluently, not as a second language. And his Greek is much harder than Luke's. They wrote with different styles. Some of the Old Testament prophets were farmers. And, and their Hebrew is very simple. Some of them were kings and poets. and they and, right. So they wrote with their own styles. Additionally, that means... Um, um, there's different literary genres. What are some of the literary genres we see in the Bible? Poetry. Poetry. The Psalms are poetry. What other literary genres? Histories, right? We have chronicles of histories. We have genealogies and we have histories and we have poetry, right? We have um, personal reflections, personal accounts. Hey, I was, I was, I was, uh, sitting in in church on the Lord's day and all of a sudden I had a vision and I was caught up into heaven that's John and revelation right um, we have we have, so we have different we have correspondence letters right um, and, and so each one of those literary styles mean it also implies that we have to interpret it slightly differently you don't interpret um, a letter quite the same way you interpret poetry Right? You, we understand Psalms are poetry, and um, we have to learn the rules of Hebrew poetry and, and do that. And we have letters and, and these kinds of things. All right? There's instructions to the churches Paul. That's, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And so when you're looking at Paul's letters, you have to ask, um, what's the occasion? Why did Paul write this letter? What's going on that prompts Paul to write this letter to this church? And when you do that... Then you can apply it to yourself. Oh, do we have similar problems like that church did? And now you can begin to apply it to today. That's and, and um, uh, so yeah. So the scriptures, just like Jesus, are fully human and fully divine. Right? They have a human side with human authors, and they have a divine side with a divine author. This is an article of faith. This means this is something you need to believe upon pain of excommunication out of the church. Right? An article of faith. Your salvation hangs on this, and you quote it every time we have communion, I believe, uh, in, the Apostle, in the Nicene Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit who spoke by the prophets. We confess that. That's our faith. Which means it's not something that you can ultimately prove with, with logic, but it's not something that you can disprove. Um, we accept the uh, we must accept the Bible's testimony on its own legs, on its own uh, uh, merits. It's also self-authenticated. That means when you look at the Bible and you start investigating these things, the Bible will prove itself that it's true. Right? It'll, it'll show itself faithful and reliable to history and all these things. This includes lots. How much of scripture does this include? It includes all scripture. The, the, the verses at the top of your page there. All scripture is inspired of God. Um, th that means because God is the author, all of scripture, you, um, uh, the whole of scripture can't contradict an individual clear passage. Right. This is what we mean when we say. Um, 
Scripture interprets Scripture. We have passages which are easy to understand. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. Clear passage. And we have unclear passages. And you can't, and you must interpret the, the unclear passages in light of the very clear passages. The scripture does not contradict itself. In the Bible, we also get, uh, we're on the back page now, uh, uh, a unified story. What's the story of the Bible? It's creation, fall, redemption initiated, redemption achieved, redemption completed. Where are we in that uh, where are we in that story? If those are the chapters in the story, what, where are we? Redemption achieved. Achieved, right? We're waiting. That's the sermon from today, remember? We're waiting for redemption completed, right? Our attempt. Um, inspiration applies to the original manuscripts that were written, what the, the actual things that Moses wrote and Paul wrote, and to the copies. This is a Lutheran distinctive. Uh, we believe the copies themselves are inspired. And it also includes the entire process that the various biblical writers were first composed, sometimes edited, and then recognized by the people of God. The whole process is inspired by God. Any questions on what do we mean by inspiration? Well, not so much on inspiration, but when you say all scripture in 2 Timothy, yep. is that referring to Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation 22? Yes, and we have to get there. Um, it refers specifically to the Old Testament at that point, because that's the only thing that existed at that moment when Paul wrote the letter. Right? Because... Um, he, in the chapter before, or a few verses before, he says to Timothy, you learned the Holy Scriptures from your mother's knee. Well, that couldn't have been the New Testament because it hadn't been finished yet. But it includes the New Testament because the New Testament refers, is the Holy Scripture too. So it's referring first and foremost to the Old Testament. But by extension, because the New Testament is also Scripture, it includes the New Testament too. Um, so yes, but we have to get there. We don't want to push the text to say something it doesn't, but we could go to a passage. There's a passage in Peter where Peter says, oh, by the way, our dear, our dear brother Paul writes a lot of things that some things are hard to understand in Paul, but it's Peter saying that. And he says, and the ignorant twist them like they do the other scriptures. What is that? What did he just say? He said, all what Paul wrote is scripture, because <laughs> he called it the other scriptures, right? So it's included, but we have to get there. I know that's not as simple and cut and dry, but this class is not for simple cut and dry answers. <laughs> um, so yes, though, it does include Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 20-2. Thank you. Um, it does not include... Um, the Apocrypha uh, uh, and Lutherans never have believed the Apocrypha are inspired um, uh, neither do the Eastern Orthodox churches Greek Orthodox uh, Russian Orthodox uh, Coptic Orthodox all the Orthodox uh, the Roman Catholics decided that they were inspired in the Council of Trent after the Reformation as a kind of 
um, reaction against the Reformation. Before that, it was also the predominant Roman Catholic view in the medieval church that it was they were also not inspired, but useful historical background between the two testaments. Who determines what is inspired and what is not? Each like denomination determines what's inspired and what's not. Or? Um, good question. Um, so they, um, this is what we call the issue of canonicity. A canon or it, or a rule. It, think of it like a ruler. It's something that you measure things against. In the first few centuries, um, you did not have one book, like the New Testament. The New Testament didn't come in a published form like we have here. In fact, they had multiple books, didn't they? You had, you know, and it starts with uh, the church over here, Paul sends them a letter. And then somebody from that church visits the church down the way and said, you know, Paul sent us a letter too. Uh, can I copy your letter down? And they copy the letter down. And so the churches start sharing these letters that they copy. And what happens is Paul will say that. says to the ones, when you receive the letter from this church, send a copy of it on to the next church. Right? And so in the New Testament, first you have these, these letters and gospels being spread. We didn't need to have a definitive list of what was in and out until people in the second and third century started saying, this book shouldn't be in there. That book shouldn't be in there. You shouldn't have to use the Old Testament. Paul, uh, you should only, you know, so we had people, a guy named Marcion and others, who were, were challenging what was, and so then you start to have early church fathers as early as the second century, the 100s, give you lists. No, these are the books that we've all, all the churches have received from the apostles. The apostles gave us these books and these letters. These other books that you're talking about, we've never seen them before, right? And, and so that happened, um, and there was never, there was never a council that determined which five books were in the Bible definitively until the Council of Trent in the 1500s. There were some small regional councils, like you might, you know, a, a few churches in a region, but sometimes you'll hear, oh, the Council of Nicaea, uh, they decided what books were in and out of the Bible. Didn't happen. That's not what the Council of Nicaea was about. There were some small regional councils, and what was their, what was their, these small regional councils, they always had, these were the criteria. Written by a prophet or an apostle, or authorized by the apostles. That's the first criteria. Second, um, oh, I'm forgetting this now. Um, written by an apostle uh, or, or a prophet, um, and received and used in all the churches. That, those, those were the two, I think there might be a third criteria, I'm forgetting it. Um, but those were the two big things. So it's not that the church decided which books were in and which books were out. It's they recognized which books were, were, were given to them by Christ and the apostles and which books were not. Does that make, does that make sense? It's, it's a recognition of what God had given them instead of a determination these books are in, these books are out. And in general usage. Usage, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
That's why we say if, if we found a new epistle, a new letter from Paul, the third, his third letter to the Corinthians, which the Bible references, we would not view it as scripture. Because it had, although it's written by Paul, an apostle, it lacks the usage in all the churches. Right? We've not used it for 2,000 years. Does that make sense? Uh, all of the books that are in the Bible, we've used. And, and when you watch National Geographic and you hear about huh, uh, the Gospel of Thomas or something, as if it's some brand new thing. No, no, we've got writings from the early church discussing those books. And they're all 2nd century, 3rd century, super late. And they all, and, and, and churches are like, we've never seen this book before. It can't be from the apostles. We got our book directly from the you know, from Paul. He wrote it down. We have a copy, right? In the first hundred years, they can do that. Um, isn't, isn't rather dangerous if we assume that we can, we meaning myself, can decide which is inspired and which is. To me, that's dangerous. To me, I'll just accept it as <clears throat> a holy, inspired, infallible word of God, because to me, that's the safe way to go. But I start deciding, maybe not. I feel like I'm condemning myself right there. Yeah, we, we don't. Uh, that's why we say we 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 receive we receive what God has the, the word that God has given us. Uh, uh, the church never decided which books were in. We we had to because of her, because of heretics saying this book is not in. We've the church had to say had to come up with a, uh, a list. So okay, which books did we receive? We have to take a tally. Uh, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Okay, I think we're out of time actually. So next time we're going to go. Uh, we're going to do the, the second, the back half of this page. Uh, what are the attributes of Scripture? What's the purpose of the Bible? How to use the Bible in sola scriptura? Um, and then we'll move on after that to the next topic. After this is um, sin. Uh, um, so we'll talk after. So you see where we're going. We talked about God. And then we, we talk about his revelation and scripture, and now we'll move on to sin. So God, scripture, sin, and then after sin and the law, we'll talk about Jesus and the gospel. Uh, we're making a logical progression here. All right. Hopefully uh, these notes help you to follow along and track. Um, and uh, so bring, bring page five uh, again uh, next week, and we'll continue from where we left off. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given to us uh, your holy word, that uh, you have given to us the, the word of the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, those um, whom you moved to write, uh, who, uh, those who had a me the message from you, and, and those whose words um, you inspired. Help us to treasure this word, to keep it, uh, guard it, uh, but most of all, to believe that therein, uh, uh, we are offered the hope of eternal life. Uh, and with this we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.